Hey there. Welcome to the in-between. I feel very um, underprepared because I haven't listened to last, yesterday, not yesterday, Sunday sermon yet. Uh-oh. From last week. I I don't I don't know how it went, so I cannot tell you if you spoke blasphemy. Well, <laughs> I I was there and I listened to it after, so I'm I'm doubling up for John. Nice. And I, I can nice. at least say that there was no blasphemy that okay, I could there find. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. That's definitely a goal. I yeah. There that was a lot of that is certainly a goal. There's something that we didn't talk about on Tuesday though that I was like I I liked the um like where you went with it, talking about following the Lord and then also talking about safety. Yeah. And I thought that I, I didn't think about that when we had been reading the passage together, talking about it, but the idea of safety being something in our culture that we really value, sometimes even idolize yes. idolize, and, and being like, or, or seeing that there are, there's example after example of the in the Bible where the Lord calls people out of safety yes into harm's way ultimately because he is he is the author of what's going on mm-hmm. and he knows best it doesn't mean that that because I, I feel like the term is used a lot like there's no safer place <laughs> than yes. in the palm of God's hand you're absolutely right like, as long as physical safety is not what you're talking fair about. fair enough and I feel like that's a good that's a good clarification of like okay what spiritually what do we mean safe by that? in the yes. palm of God's hand yeah um I Paul was actually my friendship with Paul um, Paul's not here today um, but my friendship with Paul probably brought that to a head in my life when I was um, younger I I say younger. Really? I mean that would have been in my late twenties, probably. Um, how so? Um, because I realized like what I had been grown or grown up or what I had been trained to say as uh-huh. I was growing up was, you know, when somebody would go do something or somebody was leaving on a trip or something, you would say, be safe. Yeah. And right, I realized right. with Paul, like that's a dumb thing to say <laughs> to him. Uh-huh. Um, cause you know, I, I think it actually was like he was going to the DR or something like that one time. And I found myself saying like in my head, I was saying, be safe as he was uh, leaving. And then I was like, no, I don't really want Paul to be safe. Like number one, that wouldn't be Paul. And yeah, number exactly. two, like I, I kind of want him to do what he does. Um, in whatever way God tells him to do it. <laughs> Um, mm. and so, yep. you know, that I started jokingly, like that's when I was young. Yeah, I hope you survive. No, yeah. I, well, I started jokingly <laughs> I would saying like, like to see you Hey, drive fast life. and take chances. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I don't, oh my I don't know what to say right now, but that's hilarious. Um, but I, I just, yeah. I, I, I think I hadn't really thought about that. Like, oh, he was safe. He and his men were safe in Moab. Yeah. In the stronghold. Yeah. Yeah. They were and then the they're called, called out of that. And so then the, I'm, I'm just putting myself in the shoes of his men yeah. who are then being told to engage the Philistines at Kila. And it's right. like, Hey, we <laughs> yeah. were safe and now we're here. And now you're asking us to go there. Like right. it, just the, the raw, like the reality of the emotion of these, yeah. m- this motley crew, you know, yeah. you think of them as misfits. It's not right. like they're Navy seals at exactly. this point, you know, right. it's like, Hey, they're going to be by some the of them no, become much but like that. But what yes, I'm you're exactly like right. right now. It's like they're portrayed as, Hey, I've got these people that came and they, this is who I have. Right. And so, and they, they just seem very fearful. And so the yeah. reality of that, yep. so I don't know. I thought, I thought that was a, a cool 
takeaway in addition to what you what you talked exactly about. Exactly right. Yeah, straight into uh, literally like to go from being safe to being in an uncertain situation to uh-huh. being in a clearly unsafe situation. Yes. Yeah. Like we want you to attack now the Philistines. Yes. Um, well, which is fascinating. Yeah, we're going to... The, the the rest of this chapter is going to play out really interestingly as well, I think. But Yes. Because um, you hinted yeah. to this, and I don't know how much time you'll spend, and this is something that I know you've heard him talk about before, but the idea of... Uh, of middle knowledge, middle knowledge. Yeah. And so I, one, I, I'm curious what you're going to talk about, but two, I'm curious where, because it's obviously, it's, it's something cool, but people, yeah. you know, different people find things different, you know, fascinating. What do you, why do you feel like this is also just super fascinating to you? Um, well, okay. So I am not a fan of, uh, unnecessary dichotomies. Um, and they happen all the time in the Christian world, these false dichotomies. Um, John will probably remember well when when we were went, went to some speaker, we were at the, oh one of the gosh. conferences, and uh, was it Andy Stanley? I think it was Andy I, Stanley. I wasn't actually there for this. You weren't there for this. Okay. No, but I've heard this story so many times. <laughs> I, it was one of the Stanleys. I feel, yeah, I feel like I've heard no, it kind was of Andy. bits and pieces. It was Andy. It was not. Who, who did the, he did a talk to like nine, I don't know, 900, 3,000, I don't know what the numbers were, pastors, yeah. staff. And his whole talk was we should hire doers, not thinkers. Yeah. And that we hire too many thinkers and we need to hire doers, not thinkers. And and that the job of the, he, he kind of hinted at that the job of the lead pastor was to be the thinker and as everybody else was supposed to be the doer. And mm, Definitely, um, definitely. Yeah, it's like, wow. All the thinkers in the room right. are like, good. Yeah, like, this, yeah me sorry, too. But, I'm special. And so we... uh well, I got, I only made it about 15, 20 minutes in and I was like, I'm a, guys, I'm going to go sit out in the foyer and work on something. And then, and then afterwards I was like, everybody come here. Just, just exactly. <laughs> My disciples right, come. Huddle up, huddle up. Um, I need you to understand. I need you to, yeah. Hear, hear from me on this, that, that I very intentionally hire thinking doers. Like I, yeah. <laughs> those aren't. Those don't have to be contradictory. No, I don't even know if it's true that one or the other comes more naturally to people. Like I don't I actually don't. I don't know. There's probably no research whatsoever on that. He's using it like a personality trait. I know for sure that one of my children does not like to do. <laughs> <laughs> I have some who have not been great at thinking as well, but I don't know that that's. Uh, I don't know that. I don't know that my. You know, I, I think there's a coordination. Sometimes the non-doer is also not the great thinker. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think but, those also and, work together. And, but it's not just that. <laughs> okay, well, threat, well, you're. If you hire a thinker, clearly they're not going to be a doer. Right. That's the implication, or vice versa. And it's like, I, you know what? I, I think I think I can save the church a lot of money if we hire thinking doers, not just doers who don't think, but then. <laughs> yeah. like doers who think or thinkers who do. I'm, I'm happy with either one. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, yeah, I, I very intentionally do that. And this, mm-hmm. that dichotomy was just a false, it's a false dichotomy. Yeah. So this, this passage um, is one of the passages that, uh, that people point to, to talk about middle knowledge mm-hmm. and middle knowledge allows us a way to not see God's sovereignty and human freedom as a dichotomy. Right. Um, as a contradiction that you, that you only get one of those or to the degree you get one, you don't get the other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and middle knowledge shows um, the fact that God not only knows the future, but knows all possible futures and what that must mean shows that, that it, it is actually plausible that God 
could be fully sovereign and humans could be truly free. Yeah. Um, and those don't have to cancel each other out. Now, they may. It's not that they yeah. don't. It's that they don't have to. And yeah. that's what it teaches. Interesting. I, the, yeah. I, I, the first time I heard about middle knowledge was in college um, when uh, I had a uh, philosophy professor. Philosophy? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, professor who was uh, who gave us a book that talked about mental knowledge, and he was like, "Wh- which which God is actually more powerful? The one who, you know, mm. knows the way that it is, and it's always His way, always. I mean, His way, of course, but His uh, always like it. He knows the way that it is, or the one who knows every way that it could be. Yeah, man. Um, and I was like, I, I mean. I, I, it's, it's definitely not like, don't hear us saying like, this is something that's going to be easy for you to wrap your head around. But what a a cool thought has all kinds of like, Oh gosh, what does Mm. that mean? Um, yeah. And, and you know, you've got the, the God who's in the helicopter above the timeline of everything and (laughs) parachuted in with Jesus and, you know, into time. And I like all of this, like explanation of, we always make up these, like, this is how you need to understand the Trinity is like an orange (laughs) um, or an egg or whatever, you know, like the shell and the yolk and the white, like, and I was like, okay. Um, everything that we understand about God and, and a way to understand things about God, uh, at some point, like our brain is going to get in the way of it because of how finite we are totally of, of, right. of the, our way of understanding mm-hmm. anything. But I love that middle knowledge does give you that, like, okay, take a break. Like you have people and they are making choices that's not yeah. like a joke like i can choose you're not right. a robot yeah what i'm doing it's obvious that that's true <laughs> like i'm not anyway um and then we know that god is sovereign yeah because of what he said about who he is and it's like okay yes like i that doesn't make sense in my brain but it it doesn't have to like yeah. um this is one of those things that like, I think that there's, this is the kind of thing that we get pointed at as Christians a lot of times and and get told like, Oh, you have blind faith. I'm like, it's not blind faith. Yeah. I understand my limitations and I understand that two things that I see as not making sense together do have an explanation that I can't see yet. Right. Right. And it's like, okay. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but you trust the Lord in that. Well, you, 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 know? you trust the Lord in that. And it, and it is good for us to look at these things like middle knowledge and like that and go, okay, like that, that would explain mm-hmm. this. That would explain. And yeah. the fact that we call it middle knowledge is what we call it. Cool. Like oh, if right. that, yeah. if we get to heaven and God's like, yep, that's exactly <laughs> how that works. Yeah. Right. And then it's going to be like, oh, that's the ordained that's mind. Awesome. That's called the mind of God now. Like, we're <laughs> right, not going to. Right. Hey, you have middle knowledge. It's like, no, nah, that's we, you just made that up. Exactly. There's nothing um, middle about my knowledge. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Interesting. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That was, that was kind of my in, in, initial. It's going to be fun. It'll be fun to kind of unpack a little bit. And I won't spend a lot of time there. Right. Um, but enough that people who are, you know, who that's intriguing to them. Yeah. Yes. Um, can follow up with it, can check on it and, you know, can, uh, I've got articles on my website, but it also. Oh, you know, Alan's going to be looking at this. Yes. And then send, send people over to 
Dr. William Lane Craig. Yes. Hey, Alan, I got to call you out in your text to us about uh, cantata. Oh, the Christmas cantata. Uh, yeah. You uh, you misspelled cantata. I thought so too. <laughs> okay, okay. I was he, curious. He about spelled that. it a certain way, and then I think it was like canada or something like yeah. that. And then the uh, wiki article <laughs> says cantata, and it says cantata. The the I mean, it's basically. I thought it was okay. Is it a C or a K? The it's a C. Okay. Anyway, it was funny because um, you had to be there, I guess, in the text message, but it was wow. awesome. Yep. That's that's getting back at you for making fun of my Sherwood Forest. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> that's right. He was he just wanted someone to laugh. He yeah. he was not making fun of you. He was feeling sorry for you. That's feeling great. sorry that we for were all being, ignoring and also yours. Really, forest, really wanting it to end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true too. He did say that. Yeah. He wanted someone to laugh so that and we, then could we could stop. move on. Yeah. Sure. There forest. we go. <laughs> that's um, right. Good stuff. Chris, are you so going going back to Psalm 23? Yep. Psalm 23? First Samuel 23. First Samuel 23. Are oh, you wow. gonna are you gonna be referencing at all Psalm 54? Or, I or am gonna you, reference it. Because I think I might want to read some of that. Perfect. I'm just gonna reference it and do a, like th- two verses or something at one point. Three verses. Um Do you want to read that for but us? If you want to read the whole thing, that'd be great. Sure. You want me, oh, you want me to read it yeah, now? Yeah, now. Great. Okay, to the choir master with stringed instruments, a masculine of David, when the Ziphites went and told Saul, is not David hiding among us? O God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. O God, hear my prayer, give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me, ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return the evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. With a free will offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. Mm-hmm. The very words of God. A couple Man. things really interesting about this. Yes. All right. So he says, For strangers have risen against me, ruthless men seek my life. Who's he, who is he talking about there? Because Saul's not a stranger. Right. His, the Saul's men aren't strangers, I don't think. I feel like the Ziphites. I do too. So here's the most interesting thing about the Ziphites, in my opinion, because uh-huh. I, I, there's nothing about them. Okay. Um, this is the Ziphites' moment of glory. Is here, and, and they're going to do this again in chapter 26. Nice. So they're going to betray David here. They're going to betray David in chapter 26. The Ziphites probably have a hard life. Mm-hmm. They live in the wilderness, um, in a desert wilderness, um, which is rough. But this is the the part that uh, really struck me is that they are from the tribe of Judah. Whoa! Whoa! Yep. So the Ziphites are the same tribe as David, not the same tribe as Saul, Saul or somebody else. So it would be poignant that he's saying that they're. Uh, um, strangers, strangers, right? The, the I am not one of them. They are not one of me. Wow. But, uh, so that's that's like a that's pretty rough. I mean, it, it is a it's like twice kin. these it's people like are going to Yeah, right? yeah, like exactly. Kith right. and kin is what I mean. Yes, I knew it. Not Ken Hodge. Don't don't read into that Ken Hodge. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Barbie's kin. Oh, yep. hilarious! <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I'm talking about like your family, mm-hmm. like a. Kind of like a clansman or something like yep, that. Exactly. So this is 
this is truly like I think that's supposed to be what's most shocking about this is that these are these are guys who should be um, they should be helping David they should be on David's side and all of this but just like Doeg they're in I guess ingratiation mode ingratiating mode ingratiation anyway I, but I love it that's perfect that's good word usement mm-hmm. um and so they <laughs> that's what they're they're like well maybe our lives maybe our hard lives can get better uh-huh if if we make Saul happy with us maybe the king will you know mm-hmm. I don't know give us more comfortable something but it's just or they it's won't heartbreaking. Dis- he won't destroy us like he did all the priests at Nob and both times by the way their what they do leads to um David having these interactions with Saul where he could take Saul's life and doesn't. He doesn't. Huh. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's it just was intriguing to me that I and I had then again, this is one of the great joys of my life is getting to study scripture as part of my every week, just about to dive in deeply in a way that I probably would never do on my own. Um and so just it's just really cool. Um this cycle this intriguing cycle of comfort from God and some of God's people, and then the rejection by other people is just this amazing cycle. I mean, right before this. So we get, I mean, this this is the this is the human life kind of packed together. We have bam, 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 bam. We have Saul's chasing him, a bunch of people follow. Uh, you know, Saul's chasing him, bummer, bunch of people chasing him, bummer. A bunch of people decide to come out and be his friends. Well, that's, that's kind of, I guess, nice. And then the people of God uses him to save Keilah. That's kind of nice. The people of Keilah are going to turn him over to Saul. That's, yeah. that's a bummer. Jonathan, he goes back into hiding. Jonathan finds him, comforts him. That's really cool. Next section, his own kinsmen are trying to turn him over to Saul. Bummer. Like, I just, I just feel like there's something about recognizing um, that this, this intriguing sense that we have that it's like there's always something. It seems mm-hmm. like there's always something. There's always there's kind of always something to celebrate, but there's also always something to grieve. And mm-hmm. and so I feel like that's a just it makes you understand the life. Psalms a lot better. Oh yeah. yeah. The totally. fact that David is, you know, constantly <laughs> in a depressed state right. in writing the Psalms, I I think that, that, that makes sense. And we yep. we we see David as this great conqueror and he was mm-hmm. for so many years. Um, surviving yeah. um, what was being thrown at him. But I keep looking at the um, Saul's little speech to the Ziphites, and it's just driving me nuts. Yeah, I what, don't get it either. May you be blessed by the Lord. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, don't, don't. Don't be doing that. No, don't say that name. Mm. You Anyway. Thank you yep. for having compassion on me. Because he says Yahweh. Like, that's, that's the yeah. Lord. That's not Adonai. That's Yahweh. Right. For you have had compassion on me. Go make yet more sure. Know and see the place where his foot is. Make sure that you have seen exactly where he's standing and who has seen him there. Um, Like who's allowing him to be there. For it has told me that he is very cunning. It is told me that he is very cunning. Yeah. Saul, you... I don't know. I don't know this person, but it seems like he's. Oh very my good. gosh! It's also, just, just the worst. The See other, therefore, and take note of all the lurking places where he hides, and come back to me with sure information. Then I will go with you. Like, and everyone else can find him, oh but my you. Gosh, right? It just. Now, see, I I looked for these donkeys one time, and I kept being told that they were in different places. Can you <laughs> right. make sure those guys? 
Those donkeys are pretty clever, too. Pretty clever, They were too. cunning. Cunning. Yeah, those cunning donkeys. That's, That's what they're known for. Exactly. And, well, and I... Another note that I <laughs> had, like had heard about <laughs> was that it, it seems like he's playing the victim card. Oh, my gosh. Always. May, oh, all may, the time. May you be yes. blessed by the Lord, for you have had compassion on me. Yeah. Yep. No, it's... It, he's, I, I mean, you know, I think it's... Again, that insecurity, when you find insecurity in yourself, mm. like that, that should be a red flag, like nobody's business. It's not about having, in my mind, again, Chris, this is, make sure that I'm not uh, <laughs> getting this wrong. Oh, I was going to say. Um, <laughs> in my mind, it's not about, insecurity is not about, uh, it's not even about like self-worth or uh, what, do you, what do you call it? Um, like self-esteem? Yeah, self-esteem, th- that that type of whatever. It's about knowing where your security actually is. Yeah. You know, like just you, you got to let go of a lot of those things. All the time. All the time. Again and again and again. And right. Again, like when you wake up in the morning. Oh, my gosh. And then when you, you know go interact with somebody. It's just it, but, but insecurity is a killer, man. Yes. Our, our fascination with our own worth and you know, the things that, um, that have anything to do with how we perceive ourselves higher or lower than anybody, the pecking order of humanity. Like God is just zero interest Mm -hmm. in, in that. And I think like, <laughs> mm. it's, it's just like, it's, it, it, man, it's not helpful um, yeah, for us to try to judge that in ourselves or each other. So I feel like that's where that comes from, or at least the bad part of whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so often. That's just, exactly you gotta right. let go of it and it just kills Saul's reign. Mm. Yep. And then, so move. So then we move from that to kind of that last section in twenty three, where Saul is pursuing him, and it seems like, oh man, he's getting close. Yep, he's going to catch him. And then we have kind of that final deliverance of the chapter. Yep, where the Philistines come, or the, the there's word that the Philistines are attacking. And right. So, right. Drat. I gotta go. I'm, I've been trying to unpack this a little bit, and and the commentaries are kind of all over the map with this because we get so little. This is another one of those things we just get so little information. Yeah. I think I think my instinct is to picture a very neat and clean like Saul is on one side of the mountain, David's on the other side. Right. Saul slowly begins to encircle him, and then they got him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think probably more likely we should picture this as this is a forest region, wilderness region, mountain, including mountains. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that Saul even knows he's encircled David at this point. I don't think we're supposed to assume that Saul's like, "All right, boys, we got him. Mm-hmm. We trapped him in the house." Because if that was the case, I don't see Saul leaving to go fight the Philistines. Right. Like, I just, I don't think, I don't see that. Um, I think it's more likely that here you've had for days or weeks, two armies creeping around in the woods, in the in the wilderness together with David's men trying to stay, avoid, avoid being found and Saul's men trying to find them, trying to engage them. And so they're they're all over the place, creeping around each other. David has already moved once, so he moved further south when he heard apparently that his own kinsman had turned him over. Um, but but I I think I had this image in my mind of this 
they're out in the middle of a field and David's men are kind of encircled or, or they're on a mountaintop and, you know, Saul's around the base of the mountain. I don't know how we're supposed to picture it exactly. Um, but so Saul is pursuing him. David is hiding and stay, managing to stay away, managing to stay ahead of him. Like, it's, I'm, I'm such a child of the 80s. I'm picturing, every time I read this passage, I, re, I picture the scene in The Wrath of Khan when it shows Khan's ship circling the planet and, and Kirk's ship circling the planet on the opposite side. Mm-hmm. And they show that in this graphic, and that's so burned into my brain because I watched that movie so many thousands of times. And so, and that's what I'm picturing is David keeping his men like, let's keep the mountain between us and Saul. Let's keep the mountain between us. And Saul mm-hmm. like manages somehow to kind of get all the way around. And, and David is now kind of stuck and they close in on David's men to capture them. And a messenger comes running up, hurry, come for the Philistines have made raid against the land. I, I'd love to know more of the story of this raid against the land. How massive is it? But this is what struck me. Who is supposed to be protecting Israel? Saul. Saul is first. Well, Saul's busy, right? Mm-hmm. So Saul's been chasing around David for days, weeks, months, maybe years at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And and David, so David's been the one who's had to protect Israel. Well, sadly, David is encompassed by Saul at this point. And so the Philistines attack Keilah again, or some other city, Ramah again. And guess what? There's no one to fight them because the two people who could be fighting them, one won't and the other one can't. And so Saul is now stuck. There's no telling what kind of damage. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I wish it said more clearly, like, the Philistines have made a raid against your home city, Saul. Like, what mm-hmm. motivated Saul to leave this time? And I I don't think we have it. It is intriguing. So little little heads up pop quiz type of moment here. The name. So this, therefore, that place was called the Rock of Escape. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get this. It is not escape. Um, this is literally the only time the word escape is connected to that word. It means the rock, the mountain, Silah, mountain, rock, cliff, cliff, whatever. Um, Silah, here, mountain. And then the word, the other word, which I can't even begin to pronounce, Makaloket, Makaloket, anyway, means division. And it comes from Kalag, to divide. And so the, the idea of it being escape is really weird. That's like a English thing. Mm. It's not in the Hebrew. It does not. I mean, this is literally the one time they assign the word escape here. So some people... the rest of the time it's division? It's always division. Like when it talks about dividing the land for the different tribes, Mm -hmm. this is the word used. I mean, this is, this word is used a lot in, in the, in in Hebrew scripture. And it always means to divide. It can mean to share, like to divide up something and to share the spoils or whatever. (laughs) It can mean all those as 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 Hebrew does. As it Hebrew can mean does, divide can, or share or share, right? It can mean <laughs> the ant, the antonym of the actual word. Um, but like, if I divide up a cookie to share it, this would be the word I would use. Okay. But also, if I like divide up an animal for sacrifices, if I, I cut can it see to pieces. The, like if we're talking about cookies, then I can see escape. Escape exactly. Oh, I get it. Right now that, we get it. That makes sense. I think so. Some commentaries think. What's weird is that it's just there were enough places for David to hide long enough that this was called divide, which would mean like, you know, ravines and cliffs and and whatever. So that's what it means is that he was able to hide in these things. One commentary says, but look at the passage. Therefore, that place was called this. And it seems to be called this because Saul leaves. So why is it called that? One commentary said, this is this is one of the few times that we see Saul whose mind is divided, 
do I do what God wants? Do I do my duty and protect the land? Or do I continue to pursue David? And this is one of the few times when Saul divides rightly and chooses what he ought to be doing mm. versus the sin that he's been committing all this time. Interesting. And so I, I don't know if that's right. No one knows why this is therefore called the rock. But you can see why the, the English, they said the rock of escape. Um, and so escape, though, I think is a stretch. Mm. My, my personal opinion is a stretch. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, and the people who wrote this were, so don't, so take that with, you know, a pound of salt at least. But um, anyway, I was intrigued. A lot of the commentaries had that same critique, like, why is this escape? So I'm, I'm intrigued. It's going to be interesting to see. And then we get to end with the term Angedi, one of my favorite places in the world. Lived in Angedi. We're going to get to have fun with that over the next few weeks, too. Woohoo! Be encouraged.